on this week's episode of the Fuel for Fat Loss podcast. There was one thing that you you made me see. And I, now that I see it, I can't unsee it. And it's changed my everyday life. And it's a pattern now that I'm working on breaking in such a powerful way because of you. I'm so, so grateful. Welcome to the Fuel for Fat Loss podcast, bite-sized hacks for busy mamas who want to live their best life. My mission is to not only empower you to fuel your body, but also fuel your mind and your soul. I got you. I'm here to help you burn fat, increase energy, and confidence. All right. Welcome back to a brand new episode on the Fuel for Fat Loss podcast. I am... So nervous and excited. I literally (laughs) have sweaty palms right now. And my guest is also nervous, which makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) But today I am bringing on my therapist to talk, to have a very raw and vulnerable conversation. And I'm nervous and excited about this because I think this is going to be a conversation like no other And I really want to get raw and I really want to get vulnerable and open up this conversation around therapy and kind of take some of that stigma and judgment that still exists out there around therapy. I know for me that therapy has been the most incredible, profound tool in helping me grow. I have been in therapy since I was 17 years old. And I've had many, many counselors, but I wanted to bring on my therapist today because we've been working together for a little over a year now, and I have never met anyone like her, truly. (laughs) She has helped me through the toughest time of my life, and she's helped me make some massive breakthroughs. I've never experienced this type of therapy before and the type of tools that she uses, and I really want to showcase these with you guys. I want to chat through them. We are going to talk about it all. And hopefully this will help you. Um, Whether you use some of these tools that you're going to uncover in the next few episodes, because we're actually going to do a three-part series together, which I've never done before. But hopefully you get to use some of these tools in your everyday life and they help you Or maybe you end up working with someone like my therapist because she is just incredible. So let me introduce you to um, Ms. Neda Kurdar. She is a registered therapeutic counselor and mindset coach who is passionate about helping people heal and transform their lives. With a background in corporate and business world, Neda understands the pressures and challenges of modern life and how they can impact our mental health and well-being. Netta's approach to counseling and coaching is grounded in helping her clients identify and heal from past traumas and patterns that may be holding them back. She works with clients to reframe limiting beliefs and negative self-talk, empowering them to live more fulfilled and extraordinary lives, no matter what their circumstances. So welcome, Ms. Netta. (laughs) Thank you. First of all, I'm so grateful for you. As you know, confidentiality is a huge part of what we do. So this is 
very, very generous of you to share your journey and to give permission for us to talk about your journey. So I'm very grateful for you too. And just that you always want to do the best for everyone. And even if that means being fully vulnerable. So yeah, well, you know, getting raw and vulnerable is, is huge. It's sometimes a little bit uncomfortable for me, but again, if we can just help one person through my story, that to me is a massive win. And I know Mm -hmm. you're so much about helping others as well. So I just know that this conversation, you guys, we have no script here. We have no idea which way this conversation is going to go. We do want to share with you some very specific tools, but um, we're just, I'm I'm going into this with the the idea that I'm just going to be super open and share as much as I possibly can in the hopes that it can help you as well. So I mean, where do you want to start? <laughs> I don't know. Where do we start? Maybe on why we're kind of yeah. collaborating together with your background and coaching that you do for, you know, your clients with health and weight loss and empowering yeah. women and kind of how it organically works together with kind mm-hmm. of my goal and what I wanted to do to empower people and help them yeah. just get to like their best self yeah. And you know what I love about working with you is we're kind of similar age. And this is the first time that I've had um, a counselor, a therapist that is a similar age. I also love that you have a background in. So we're 25 is what you're yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> sorry. I didn't, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, like I love that you have a background in business as well. And so you understand a lot of my daily struggles and I think that's been really huge. Plus also you're, you know, when it comes to like right now I'm dating and you understand what it's like for me at this age, you know, my, my therapist before you was 75 years old Mm -hmm. and I would have been mortified to actually share with her some of the details that I share with you because she, she <laughs> we share a lot of details <laughs> I share a lot of details you know every, there's actually only one person on this planet that knows everything everything <laughs> about my life and it's miss netta <laughs> oh, thank you i feel grateful that you trust me that much mm-hmm. it means a lot <laughs> so i think um you know i i love that and one tool that i really want to talk about is how we went back to my childhood I think that's where we start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, um, I've actually been with other therapists that didn't want me to talk about my childhood. They said, this is a waste of time. This is not going to be helpful. You don't want to get stuck there, which I understand. But you had a very different approach to this conversation. And I I just want to, I want to talk through it because the biggest breakthroughs that I have made in understanding who I am and my idiosyncrasies and just, you know, the way I navigate life is through this work of understanding what I went through as a child. Yeah. And that's totally valid. And I understand where other therapists maybe want to have different modalities of not working with the past and maybe being worried about re-traumatizing or bringing up things or being stuck in the past. So it makes sense. And there's so many different ways of doing therapy. And the way I like doing it is kind of depending on the client in front of me. So maybe with you or other people or a few other people, 
it would be beneficial after getting to know you to, you know what, let's kind of uncover a little bit of the past too and bring that into it if you're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with someone else, maybe all they're focusing on is really just today and future growth, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes even, a lot of sense. So some people, you, you just wouldn't have gone there. So so actually yeah. you, you thought it was a good idea that we went there together. Yeah, so it's very customized. It's not mm-hmm. just one shoe fits all for every client. And even the great comment you made about, you know, you worked with different age group um, therapists yeah. and how that, you know, like for you, it works that we're the same age. That's also a lot to do with how you connect with someone, right? Mm-hmm. So every every client is different. I have a 14-year-old client today mm-hmm. who's super, I connect with her just as much as I probably connect with you, but probably because I get immature with her too, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it, it really is important that the way that you feel comfortable and safe with a therapist. That's why I offer the 20 minute discovery calls, which a lot of therapists don't really like to do that. But I actually love doing that before even getting started in a therapeutic relationship, just because you have to make sure that we match and that, you know, you feel comfortable with me. And if you feel comfortable and feel safe or have like a little base of that, not right from the beginning, but you feel that intuition, it makes it so much easier and smoother to continue on. Whereas I love you, that. And it has to be a match for you too. Right. You you want to feel like you could actually help someone. And I know I've yeah. sent some clients over to you and you've said, actually, it's beyond my scope. I can't work with that client. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. And, you know, again, the reason why I wanted to, to chat uh, and have you on is because, oh my gosh, you know, I just think in terms of helping my clients um, and empowering them and giving them that next level growth, I know therapy would be an incredible tool for them as well. Yeah. So, so let's go back to chatting uh, about childhood. And, uh, you know, there was one thing that you, you made me see. And I, now that I see it, I can't unsee it. And it's changed my everyday life. And it's a pattern now that I'm working on breaking in such a powerful way because of you. I'm so, so grateful. So let me explain. Um, first of all, Netta and I, we did this, um, it's like a booklet that you gave me. It was an early childhood assessment. So from zero to about 15, 20 years old. Yeah. Like life. Yeah. And so you had me do homework in between our sessions, which (laughs) I actually really like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I would go do the, this homework and I remember thinking, oh, this is no big deal. This is going to be easy. But then I sit down and answer some of these questions about parts of my childhood that, oh my gosh, like they got me super emotional, but it mm-hmm. was really cleansing because um, stuff would come up and then we'd chat through it the next session. And I felt not only was I uncovering all of the stuff that I had kind of like pushed down deep. Yeah. Um, and didn't want to think about now it was coming to the surface, but we could actually deal with it. One of the things that I learned was that in my day to day, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And this was so profound. Okay. So I'll give you guys an example. It would be like, things are going so, so good in my relationship, for example. And, but in my, in the back of my head, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for something to go bad because yeah. things can't, in my head, things can't always be good yeah. and things don't last in my head. That's a belief system. And again, like you helped me uncover this limiting belief, but there was something in my childhood that caused me to believe this. So going back to childhood stuff was so incredible. And I'll tell you what, what it is because 
maybe you guys have a similar scenario and this could be helpful, but basically I grew up with a very volatile mom who was mentally unwell and she would be so, so happy one day. And then the next day she would throw fits um, or uh, get angry at me, slam doors, not want to talk to me, uh, ignore me. And so I, I literally had this pattern with my mom where it was one day really good and the next day really bad and one day really good, next day really bad. And this went on and it was never something that I could predict. It was very unpredictable. Again, she was mentally unwell and I've forgiven her uh, for all of it now, but I'm so grateful because Netta said, hey, listen, this explains why you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, because I literally was when things were good, I never knew how long they were going to be good for. And you know what's funny? Actually, I didn't tell you this is why we I kind of like poked at it a little bit and you got to that yourself. Mm -hmm. And which is so much more like impactful when you get to the answer yourself instead of someone else telling it to you. Right. Because then it's coming from your own knowing. Yeah. And that's when it clicks the most, too. And we had talked about. I have chills as you say this, because it was such an incredible moment when I discovered it. Yeah. And the the truth of it is there's times still that that will come up, right? Like in daily life, you still, there's moments just a few weeks ago where you did have Mm -hmm. that feeling. And I was like, oh, is this kind of feeling like you're waiting for it to not go okay or for the shoe to drop? And you're like, oh, you're right. I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. Yes. Yeah. But you're getting out of it a lot faster and kind of catching it now. Whereas before you didn't even know you were doing it. And it was just this like mm-hmm. feeling that continued and just didn't feel good. And that's the other thing that I really love uh, about working with you. And I see you every week and I will for the rest of my life, if you'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's because you call me out on these things and you're, you, you catch them when I don't catch them. Right. And so, but I, I notice um, in my day to day now that I'm way more likely to catch those moments. And it's this pattern that I'm, I'm working on breaking and I can feel myself breaking it. And it's so freeing when you start to uncover your own limiting beliefs and break free of them. Yeah. And one other part about that early childhood assessment that we could maybe share that yeah. was pretty cool was that you, after we finished it, what we did was, remember, you wrote a letter to yourself to kind of like go back and kind of address the things you needed to hear as like the younger self of of Simone. And we're able to do that and how that kind of, and we don't do that in every um, early childhood assessment that we do. There's different things. People want to do different things, address different things. But with you, that was, I think, a big part of it too, to kind of like put a closure to that part. And, you know, it's, I'm so glad you brought that up because basically for you guys who want to know the process, we, we did this childhood assessment. We did it over a number of weeks, then chatted about it in between sessions, which was so great. And then I knew that by the end, we were going to do this, this closing ceremony, if you want to call it that. And there were different modalities and I chose, so I chose that I wanted to write a letter to my younger self with, you know, the wisdom that I have now, but also say things to this, you know, young little girl who's living in a volatile environment to just give her peace and understanding that she's going to be okay. And that, you know, she'll grow up to be 42 years old one day and she'll be totally fine. Um, and she'll meet Netta and then she'll make all these things. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what was so crazy about this 
ceremony. And we got to talk about it because this is funny. (laughs) It's so funny. We were laughing so hard. Okay. So we've done now all this work on childhood stuff for a number of weeks. And I'm emotional, I'm, I'm, but I'm working through it. And each session, I feel better and better and better. And by the end, I was like, okay, I don't think we need to do this closing. <laughs> I think I'm going to be fine because, I mean, what's, what's, what's the deal here? I've done all this work. I've cried so much. I'm good. I'm totally, I'm healed, Ned. I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so the way we did it was I was um, in my bedroom and we propped up a picture of my younger self she, four, at four years old. I had the letter in front of me that I was going to read and Netta's on my iPad um, so that, you know, she can just be there to help support. And I'm like, Netta, this is such a waste of time. I'm, I don't know if we need to do this. I could just send you the letter. I don't know. I don't know why we're doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. Well, within not even five seconds, I was bawling like a baby. (laughs) Yeah, that was so cute. I couldn't even get a sentence out. And it was crazy. It was crazy. But I walked away from that closing ceremony of my childhood with, it was a release and you call it a release session. It was a release. And now I don't even feel the need to talk about stuff that I always felt like I needed to talk about. I don't, I don't, I I truly feel it released me to a point where it's no longer an issue. I'm healed from it. Yeah. Yeah. That was so beautiful to witness too. And when someone also is witnessing you being that vulnerable and mm-hmm. and addressing yourself at that age, it's also so powerful because you're not just doing it alone. You're having someone witness and kind of validate that you've done this and that it yeah. is, you know, like you kind of came full circle with that. So yeah, it was very beautiful. I was holding back tears on that one myself. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And, and I definitely felt it for the rest of that day. I remember, you know, feeling, wow, like I've done some work here. This was deep. So that part I really loved. Yeah. And Simone, I just wanted to make a little quick disclaimer about some of the tools and processes that we're going to be discussing too, because some of it does sound like, you know, writing a letter to yourself and talking to your younger version of yourself. When we're talking about it in this context, when someone's not actually doing the work in the in the session and doesn't hasn't built that relationship and trust yet, it might sound very woo-woo. And <laughs> like I have, I've had clients tell me I'm very highly analytical and I'm not really into like the woo-woo stuff. And they literally <laughs> say it like that, right? And then we do something. And like I had one client say, you know, when you first told me to do this exercise, I thought it was so woo-woo, but I went along with it, but it actually worked. And like it wasn't as woo-woo as I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I love that. And you know what, like you said, some of these tools are not going to be for everyone and it is going to be, it's not a cookie cutter thing. It's, it's going to be on a per client basis, but um, I just know for me, I'm totally into the woo woo. I embrace (laughs) the woo because I know that it works and I'm like meeting you right there. Um, And uh, so I'm like, I want to go extra level woo woo with you. Extra level. (laughs) Sure. But I will say that 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 tool for me in going back and talking about childhood things, bringing them to the surface just for a little while and and then having that release session has been the most profound experience. Uh, And we've done a ton of other things, which we'll talk about as well. 
And addressing the forgiveness work that we did in that too. Yeah. Because it was a lot of releasing and forgiving. And you had forgiven some past things already, but I think this kind of fully just exposed everything and let you have complete closure on that. I think that forgiveness piece is so huge. I think in, uh, if I remember correctly, one of the sessions we had a meditation where we just imagined um, just sending love to um, my mom or other people in my life that maybe I didn't feel love for in that moment. And um, it was initially so hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. to find love and forgiveness for someone that you feel has caused you so much pain. But in the end, it it's not for them. It was so much for, for me. Yeah. And a lot of it was sending yourself love and forgiveness too, mm-hmm. to kind of forgive yourself for any feelings or things that you talk to yourself about negatively or had shame around or guilt or worry or whatever you were holding in. So it's a lot about kind of forgiving yourself too, for whatever Mm -hmm. moments that you went through. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like this will only make me a better mom, you know, at the end of the day, just talking about some of these things that went on in my childhood. Now I just know that I won't repeat them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that was really, really beneficial. So why do you think for me, childhood stuff was an important piece and why it might be for other people? I think honestly, for everyone, it's important because all of us get to this stage and we've had a past, right? Mm -hmm. And no matter how great our families are and everyone does their best, every parent, they do the best that they're capable of doing, right? With what they know and what they've gone through. But even doing your best, you're inevitably going to cause some kind of harm either for by being too available, not being available enough, being too, too disciplined, not being disciplined enough. So there's so many different variables that the chances of you messing up as a parent is, is almost impossible not to. Yeah. So there there are going to be areas that that might happen. And until you kind of go back and try to understand it from a compassionate place, from a place of like open hearted, just like love and understanding of why things happened the way they did. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to not have that affect your future relationships, your life, how you see the world, the way you see, the way you think it's all so interconnected. So it's always nice to kind of, yes, I don't believe you need to get stuck in the past. And after we did that work, we haven't really been stuck in that past. Mm -hmm. It'll come up every once in a while, but we don't keep going and like bringing it up unless you need it to. And it's actually propelled you to move forward. And that's Mm -hmm. the ultimate goal is to Mm -hmm. fix whatever it is here instead of putting a bandaid on it or just being fully like suppressing it and thinking nothing ever happened and kind of going through that to help you become a better version of yourself. And it doesn't always have to be trauma. You know, sometimes clients are like, well, I didn't have anything really traumatic happen. Well, then we go through the work and it's like, okay, yeah, here I felt a little like competition between, I don't know, my siblings and I, and like Mm -hmm. that person was loved more than me. And I didn't even think that I thought that way. And that's why I'm competitive with this, this person, you know, so like little things, it's not always having to be major like abuse or trauma or anything like that. Yeah. Um, One thing that I also uncovered was that I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. by nature. And um, something now that I'm working on not being, and, and 
I think where it became negative is I would people please to a point where um, it would sabotage my own self-care. Yeah. And this also came from a childhood where I was constantly trying to get the love and appreciation from my mother. So I was constantly in people pleasing mode. And I thought if I was good and if I did all the things to please her, then she would be nice to me and she would be kind to me and she would always be happy, which it didn't work out that way, but I would still continue this people pleasing well into my adulthood. What do you make of that? Is this a a common thing? Yeah, it's definitely common. And in your formative years, that's why the early childhood assessment is, it does start from zero to five, five to 10 years, you know, like it starts Mm -hmm. at a very young age. That's the time when your personality is being built and created. Mm -hmm. And it kind of becomes the foundation of who you are later on and you add to it, right? So when in a very young age, you're in that kind of survival mode of trying to take care of her happiness or his happiness and, you know, trying to take care of others at the expense of yourself, it kind of becomes just ingrained in you. And how are you supposed to know the difference when you're 30 or 40 years old, if you haven't really looked back to understand where this people pleasing is coming from? Mm. And once you notice it, now that you notice it, you'll still do it. You still might, you know, have moments where you are kind of putting other people's needs a little ahead of yourself, Mm. but at least you catch it. And now you know that, okay, I don't have to do this if I don't feel like this is bringing yes. me joy as well. Yes. Yeah, that's huge. And I think in relationships, I would go to that people-pleasing mode just because it was easier, you know, and I I just like keeping the peace. Mm, Things yeah. used to be easy. And so that was another thing that you got me to work on is, is if conflict does come up um, to face it head on and to always check in with my alignment? Does this align with who I am and what works for me? And if it doesn't, to speak up about it. Whereas the people pleaser part of me in the past wouldn't have spoken up about it because I would just want to keep the peace and it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas now it's like, oh, wait, you know what? This actually doesn't sit right with me. And I'm going to let you know about it. I'm going to let you know in a nice way. Um, But uh, what do you call it? Non-conflict. Non-violent communication. (laughs) (laughs) Non-violent communication. And I love that. I'm, I'm really working on it and you're really making me work on it. Which I really needed because the old me, and we'll talk about attachment styles in our part two series, which is so fascinating to me. I mean, this stuff is like candy for me because as soon as I understood my attachment style, um, I really started to understand my tendencies. So that was huge. But um, just speaking up and having that nonviolent communication has been really huge. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that is huge because so many of us so the point of nonviolent communication is to talk in a way that you're addressing both people's needs. So mm-hmm. both people's needs are met in that type of communication. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not coming from a place where anyone's going to feel like you're accusing them or blaming them, but you're coming from this compassionate place of let's talk in a way that you just alter your words a little bit and the intention of how you're going to speak to get both of you to meet in the middle. So everyone's needs are met instead of it being just a one-way kind of my need communication. I love that. And, you know, I never learned how to communicate properly. Again, going back to my childhood, it was always this type of environment where it it felt like an attack from one person to the next, right? And then very defensive communication. 
Um, so I'm I'm learning, relearning how to communicate here at 42 for the very first time in my life in a in a very effective way, which has helped me not only in my friendships, relationships, work life as well. It's 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 really profound. Yeah. And you're not the only ones. None of us have been taught really how to communicate. It's not a skill we really learn. You know, we take English classes, but we don't really learn how to communicate, how to get our needs met. And another big part of, I think, the work we did was figuring out your values, your needs, and your boundaries. Oh, I, I love think that exercise. That was, yeah. So I think that's something, even when I went through my training and the program and did my own, you know, therapy sessions and all that, I realized, wow, until... <laughs> maybe five years ago, I never even, I never thought about what my values were. What are my needs? It was all, I was like, you, it was all about everyone else's needs and how can I make everyone else happy without any regard to my own happiness. And when you do that, or when you're more of a people pleaser type person or empathic like that, what happens is you drain yourself of your own energy. And it's kind of like a iPhone battery. If the battery is drained, the iPhone is useless. How can you give it to someone in case of an emergency or kind of like the analogy of a plane when the oxygen tank or the oxygen masks come down, you put it on you first and then on your child, right? Because if you're not okay, how can you take care of your child? So it's the same idea with people pleasing that if we don't, if you're constantly trying to please your mom, let's say, and it's coming from, but inside, you're not feeling happy about it, but you're just doing it to help her feel good. There's kind of like resentment and frustration and all of that that builds up inside you. And whether you verbally say it or not, your action and your energy around her won't be the same as if you're doing something because it's actually what you want to do. And people feel that energy. Yeah. So we're not helping anyone by people pleasing. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about this um, when you, the battery being drained and also that I love that plane analogy and I use it a lot with with our clients. And, and, and part of what I love about that plane analogy is they have to remind you, they remind you every single flight to put on your mask before yep. your children's. Isn't that amazing? And the yeah. reason for that is because it's not intuitive to us. It's not natural for us to yeah. look after ourselves first. Yeah. Right. Um, so I love that. Because that's, because that's called selfish and mm -hmm. selfish has this like connotation around it. Like it's a negative thing, but in some ways, in certain situations, being selfish is the way that, that you're the most selfless for others. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is what we teach in our program all the time is when you take care of yourself, when you look after your body, when you're fueling your body, right? When you're moving your body with purpose and you have that self-care element in your day, you're a hundred percent refueled now to be able to give back to all the people around you. So everybody else around you starts benefiting versus the mom or the, the business professional that is just constantly exhausted and not taking care of themselves and not feeling their body right, blah, blah, blah. And then you just end up being depleted. You have zero to give. So yeah, yeah same with the people pleasing. I love that analogy so much. And it's I, I resonate with that in a big way. Well, I think what we should do here, Netta, because we could just talk for hours. And again, this is like, <laughs> for me, this is probably the most excited <laughs> I've ever been in a podcast. We're going to come back for part two of our three-part series. And we're going to talk about attachment styles. Again, this was a tool that Netta has used with me to help me understand my um, attachment style, my tendencies uh, in relationships, friendships, 
all the things and then also understand other people's attachment styles. And so it has helped me in a profound way. I mean, this is like breakthrough stuff. So I'm very excited to come back and, and talk about that one next time. I'm excited too. This was yeah. actually a lot of fun. It was. So thank you. I think our nerves are good now, right? We're not- I'm so good. Now I can go for another few hours. <laughs> Let's do it. How are you going <laughs> to cut these down? I don't know. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard. Well, thank you so much again, Netta, for being here and sharing this stuff with everyone, just opening up this conversation. I know it, it's going to be valuable for those of you listening. If you have feedback, please, please let us know. And I'll put, um, uh, Netta's information in the show notes so you can check her out and uh, also if you're interested in working with Netta she does provide a 20 minute discovery call but she's going to get booked up fast after this so (laughs) it may not be you're going to be taking a waiting list but thank you again so much Netta for being here and I'll see you next time for part two thank you I had a lot of fun Want more? Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at Simone N. Lovell, where I share daily lifestyle tips, recipes, workouts, and stuff that is going to make life a little more awesome.